Okay, I'm ready to go whenever. Why are you hiring me? What? Why are you hiring me? Because I'm the I'm the jefe. Hmm. All right, coming down in three, two, one. All right, Kevin Barker, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets his first win of the year in arbitration with the Toronto Blue Jays. Vladdy uh, winning his arbitration here against the Blue Jays. Vladdy asking for $19.9 million. The club offered $18.05 million. We all know how the arbitration system works. The two sides present their arguments in front of arbitrators. The arbitrators decide which dollar figure they are going to choose generally the jays do pretty well in this in in arbitration hearings they lost to vladdy jr vladdy will get 19.9 million i don't care about this you know i I, i'm literally talking about something i don't care about people i mean people immediately want to read something into arbitration um the team doesn't like the player. The player doesn't like the team. This is a business. The Jays have a philosophy of once figures are exchanged with a player, they go to the hearing. Uh, unless that player, and, and unless a negotiation can occur in a multi-year contract. But if you're just talking about one-year contract, once the figures are exchanged, once the player's request and the team's offers are exchanged, um, you go to a hearing. They're, they've been consistent in this approach. A lot of organizations take the same approach. I have no problem with this at all. I mean, first of all, Vladdy's getting paid. Now, he may not be getting paid as much as Pete Alonzo, and a lot of people have tried to draw a comparable, comparable between them. But Vladdy's going to get paid. Um, I, just, I, I don't have an issue with this. I don't think it means anything in terms of whether he's going to sign a long-term contract, uh, I just, it's it's just business. But man, man, people are upset about this. Yeah, for me, the long term, both ways, the long term contract. You can you can it's not that for me. Like when you go and you say the things you say about your organization, about your core, and how much faith you have in the core. For me, is two dudes: the dude that plays short and the dude that plays first. And you would think going into the season that you want to keep both of those guys happy, right? With what you haven't done in the off season to help what we think could take them to a whole different level, which is their offense, and you come out and say that you're relying on those two guys, I just would think that you would not want the black eye of having to go into somebody else outside the organization and talk bad about one of the people that you're counting on the most. And that, for me, just doesn't make any sense. I get the business side of it, but you know as well as anybody. The world works differently for certain people, and – when you talk the way you've talked and then you go and do this, if you're the player and you have to listen, it ain't like they're going in there and saying that Vladdy's not a good driver or, you know, he's not a good person. No, they're saying things about his weight and the ground balls and the exit velocity no, and everything actually, see, that goes into no, li- making listen, Vladdy Vladdy. No, listen. That, I, it ain't going to be good things listen, they're talking about. Listen, one thing about the arbitration process the arbitration process, they use meat and potatoes numbers. You don't get into all that stuff. People have this idea that, uh, you know, that, 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 that teams are going to be pulling all these statistics. You don't. You're only allowed to use a certain set of statistics. 
when it comes to average your home case. runs, RBIs, meat and potatoes, the, 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 those kind potatoes of the, those kind of things. The point is the conversation is not going to be real good, and that's what I say. Signing Vladdy to a long term deal for me is over. Like you, that's not happening. Like uh, actions speak louder than words sometimes. And again, this going into this season with expectations on a certain guy. Predictability with the shortstop offensively is there. We know if he's healthy and playing most of the time, he's going to get a bunch of hits. The unknowns with Vladdy is there. So when you come out and say that we have faith in the core, you're pointing the finger for me anyway at one dude. And to go about it this way over whatever the amount is, which is not a giant amount, I, for me, just don't understand that because – Again, baseball players are sensitive, Jeff. You know this better than anybody. And the conversation in that room is just not going to be good. And when somebody outside the organization thinks more highly of one of your better players than you as the organization does, for me anyway, can never go well. So I just, for me, I don't understand it. And I never will understand it again. It's a pecking order. You know, you're going you're gonna to give Barker different and act different but with Barker than you will with a guy like Vladimir Guerrero I, Jr., so I will never understand. I get it. They're going to say it's a business. It's a consistent approach. I, okay. Let again, me, why are you? again you, you're banking this off of <laughs> going into the season. Who do you need to be great? It doesn't matter. Not good. Oh, okay, it Kevin. would be like you going here and asking for a sum and not getting anywhere close to that. You, you, your feelings well, would be hurt. Now, hang no? on. Hang on. Hold it. It would be. Hold it. It's not like there was a big difference between the sides. It's not like there's a big difference between the sides. Two million's a lot. Ah, And you're doing it because of what's going on after this year? Yeah, I just just don't understand that part of it. First of all, whether or not Vladdy's part of the core has nothing to do with this. Again, this is this team's approach. This is their approach with every player. They're being consistent. He's the core this year? That's what you want. You want consistency on the part of your organization. If you're an agent, you want to know that when that when you're dealing with the Blue Jays, you exchange figures. You're going to go to an arbitration hearing. That helps you come to an agreement. Secondly, with all due respect to Vladdy, you get paid in baseball for what you've done. You don't get paid for what you're going to do. You don't get paid for what you're going to do. You get paid for what you've done. I don't think Vladdy's done enough in the past three years, frankly, certainly the past two years, to deserve, quote-unquote, special treatment. He hasn't been as good as Bo. Yeah, it ain't special treatment. It, it is. He, it he, is. To me, no, it, Vladdy, Vladdy, to me, is just a guy right now. He's yeah, a guy on this team. Yeah, as, with all due respect, 25 and 95 don't grow on trees. Like, like I, I get that we think, and other, I'm one of those people that think them. 40 and 115. No, they don't. 25 and 95 don't grow on trees. Other teams seem to have a couple of guys who can do that. <laughs> Good teams. Again, conversations with saying? what you think is your core and your better offensive players and what you've added to the team in the offseason, you would think going into spring training, you would want that core, which for me is two people, as happy as they can possibly be and hit the ground running again. You look at the you look at the schedule. They have to hit the ground running. I look, maybe Vladdy's a better twenty four year old man than I was when I was twenty four and not take things so serious. But this is one of those things where I just think anyway, the relationship between the two sides, you could argue 
Well, the, we don't. With the way this is, we I mean, don't know. We it, don't know. It's not. Look, Kevin, you don't, you don't know because we haven't heard that. Kevin, but you just look at if I, fighting between a million and a half dollars with one of your better players. It doesn't change a thing. It's business. I give the Blue Jays credit for being consistent. And you know what? If they feel they need to light a fire under Vladdy's ass, <laughs> maybe that's not the worst thing you in the think, world. You think that's the way it happens when, you know, you're, you're thinking I you're worth more than the organization or your employer wants to pay you. In baseball, it doesn't work that way. Okay. I know, I've been in locker rooms where right. dudes are trying to make tons of money, and they think they're worth more than that. It's just that. It, it's, we, the, the thing is, we un, until we hear Vladdy speak in spring training, well, he ain't gonna, we'll, 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 have, we'll have no idea. He ain't going to talk about this. How this? Well, he'll be asked about it. Oh, he ain't going to talk about it. Well, he'll he's he's going to say we're happy well, with if, what if we I got. Had told, we're moving on. If, if I had no trying to help the team if win. If he's that upset, he won't say it. If I had told you a couple of years ago that they were going to get a multi-year contract with Bo Bichette, you would have looked at me and said, that's not happening. Because we all heard that See, the relationship. Just, uh, let me finish. We all heard that the relationship between Bo and the team wasn't that great. Um, we know, you know, Bo's a bit of a hard ass. And. He ended up signing a contract that carried him through arbitration. So we just we just don't know. We're 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 looking from the outside in, and you know, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what Vladdy says. But listen, this is good practice for Jays fans because you know what? I mean, that's where we are with these guys. They're they're two years away from free agency. They are going to hit free agency at the age of twenty seven and twenty eight and a bit. Mm-hmm. They are going to be so young, Bo and Vladdy, when they hit free agency. You are going to see teams that already have players at their positions go after them because of their age. You're going to sign Vladdy to a eight-year contract if you want. He's going to be 35 at the end of that contract. Like, you would take a chance in that. So let's just get used to this because at some point we're going to be talking about one of these guys being traded at either this trade deadline or the next trade deadline or in the offseason. We just are. And and this is good practice for that. Uh, and I, I, I can't put it any other way. Um, that's where we are with Bo and Vladdy. It's been great fun. They haven't performed particularly well in the playoffs. Team hasn't won in the playoffs. There's two years remaining. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, man. I, I, uh, I, I'm more than prepared with these two guys to look at it as just being a business now. Yeah, I, I think I, I think too. It's enough of us hearing that we have faith in the core. Then if that, that if that's the case, just don't just don't have that conversation out loud. Uh, well, just say on. just so, say that so, we we believe in what we have. We're well, moving why, on, and hopefully they get it done. I still I'm missing this. I'm missing this. What suggests to you that they don't have faith in the core? I, what's I, no just I, what I think, to you I think that they bottom line does is Vladdy, if, if does if Vladdy I, need to so have you, a good year for this team to win absolutely well, okay. it would help okay it would help a lot they I mean have I, faith you could argue uh, you could argue health in the rotation might be a, a right. important too but with what they brought in absolutely it's sort of pointing the finger at one dude no and it gets back to the point of it, I just don't know how you can benefit going through this with one guy that you think can help you take go to where you ultimately want to go because what you, what you haven't added. That's all. You know what it is? I, I will say this. You're looking at it like a player. You're looking at this like a player. And I'm not criticizing you for that. I'm saying I'm, I appreciate that you're looking. This is how you would feel. 
if you were Vlad. With what I've heard absolutely. from the organization out loud to fans, absolutely. I get that. I absolutely. just don't think it's that me, big a deal. Me, meet me in the middle. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the number is what they thought it would be, but I'm sure if they got conversations and saying, hey, let's meet in the middle, we, we can go through this mm. without airing our, our, our business. I'm sure they would have figured it out. That's the whole point, right, is you just want to make a dude happy until you see what you got. I'm with you. We could see this thing starting to go south in a hurry this season. And one of the two core guys could be on a different team this year. But wouldn't you like to see the one guy that you're pointing the finger at? And we know he's pointing the finger at that one guy. Mm. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I don't sort of disagree with you. I just think sometimes you got to take a step back and go, what we haven't done? Man, it'd be nice if that one dude that we think we believe in is raring and ready to go and truly happy, and you know as well as anybody, the way you you make an employer happy or an employee, excuse me, is to pay them what they think they're worth. That's all. Well, uh, our next guest has uh, had experience dealing with arbitration cases and giving out big contracts. Uh, he is the former president of the Miami, I guess they were called the Florida Marlins, and he is host of Nothing Personal, the podcast. He's David Sampson. He joins us on Blair and Barker. <laughs> David, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Kevin and I have been going back and forth on this arbitration hearing. Vladdy uh, Jr. beat the Blue Jays in arbitration. Kevin thinks it's you know the end of the world and not true. It, it's uh, that that the relationship is fractured and that Vladdy wants to be traded and we'll never see him again in a Blue Jays uniform. I'm telling them I don't think it's that big a deal. So I want I want you, you know, oh, former man. baseball executive, you've probably had experience with this. Is is Vladdy beating the Jays in arbitration a big deal? Would it have been a big deal if the Jays beat him? And what arbitration hearing you know were you involved in? Uh, that might have been the most contentious. God, I was involved in so many. We went to the room so many times. I've gone with Cabrera. I've gone with players who we just traded for who I'd never met. So it's uh, I've been all over the board. I would tell you this. When I go into a room with a player, I say the following. Uh, either way, you win. Because with Laddie is a great example. Either you're making $18 million or $19.9. Uh, don't worry. It's all good. And every player has been really good about arbitration. The thing is, the agents make you think as though, and they appeal to the emotion of the owner, saying, oh, don't do this. Settle at the midpoint. Please don't bring my player in. He's got feelings, and you're going to upset him, and it's going to be bad. And there's only one instance that I've seen it happen, and that was last year when Corbin Burns got done with arbitration and said, oh, my God, I can't believe they think of me this way. But that just means that his agent is a bad agent and didn't prepare him for what arbitration is, which is you trying to convince not that the player is bad, but that the player is not worthy of getting paid as a comparable to what he wants to be paid. That's all it is. So Vladdy's arbitration, I can picture it because I've done it. And basically you're arguing the comps and saying, given what he's done, he is closer to 18 point nine, which let's say that's the midpoint or 18.95, because in arbitration, all you're arguing is that the player deserves a dollar below the midpoint of the player's number and the team's number. So you're not saying that, that Vladdy deserves 18. What you're saying is he deserves 18.949. 
And what Vladdy's arguing is not that I deserve 19.9, it's that I deserve 18.451. And that is how it goes. And once the decision's done, uh, players move on, teams move on. And when you're budgeting your payroll, you do assume certain arbitration losses and certain arbitration wins. But when you lose one that has this big a spread, it impacts it. And let me tell you where. And I'm sorry for such a long answer, but I want to give you some Mm -hmm. detail here. It matters with, believe it or not, the minor league invites to spring training. So every year you invite a bunch of veterans where they're not guaranteed to make the club. But if they do, let's say they get a million and a half dollars. But if they don't, then you don't pay them anything except per diems during spring training. So when we're making our team at the end of spring, even if a veteran has won a job, we may not give the veteran a spot on the team because we'd rather have a minimum player because we lost an arbitration case and that money above the minimum to what the minor league free agent would make on the team, that money went to the arbitration loss. So in the Blue Jays case, they've got an extra $1.9 million they've got to pay to Vladimir, and it may come out of a, uh, a minor league veteran invite. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in, in this day and age of analytics, it, it, an arbitration hearing is remarkably meat and potatoes in terms of t- statistics, is it not? It certainly is. Now, we, we've always tried to argue uh, you can get into certain analytics that are in your favor. You obviously, it's like going in, in court. If you, if you listen to a opening argument in a real trial, when one side finishes, you're thinking to yourself, my God, they're, they're going to win. And then the other side does its opening, and you're like, oh, my God, they're going to win. And that's a lot what arbitration is. The team presents its case, and you feel like you're in good position. Then the player comes up with his comps and his sort of arguments, and then you're thinking, oh, God, we're going to lose. And sometimes it's just possession arrow. David, what about relationships? You, you hear a GM come out and say, and I, we had me and Jeff had a little mini argument about when you hear GM come out and say, you know, we believe in the core. There's two dudes in the core here. You know, it's not Danny Jantz, not Kevin Biggio. It's the shortstop and the first baseman. And you could argue it's only one guy because the shortstop's very predictable, right? He's healthy. He's getting a bunch of hits. You've got some unknowns with the first baseman. So, you know, the GM is coming out and basically saying, we got faith in that dude at first that maybe we'll see closer to that 40 and 115 instead of that 25 and 95 that he's been doing the last couple years people are sensitive about their money i that's my thing is why even go through this when you come out and verbally say this to a fan base and things have not been really in the offseason i guess going the way you want it to go because you brought in a 39 year old whatever that's just the way it is so you're (laughs) you're you're sort of putting the emphasis on what you already have kevin's thinking too much like a player here david i'm apologizing not, not not what they think of the great player you know there's some things because of what the Yankees and who the Orioles are are now. The Blue Jays going to have to have some things really, really go right. I just, for me, it's that relationship part of it, right? Why don't you think of me the way people outside the organization think of me? That's all. I, I love, I love people who feel and think the way you do. I just can't understand it. So I, I totally understand why you're saying what you're saying. But I also believe that what you're saying doesn't make sense when you're running the team. 
And by that, I mean, you're going through and looking at your core. And on this show, we've talked about Vladimir Guerrero for years. And I told you, I don't think you should give him a long-term deal. Mm -hmm. And especially not at the high when he's doing the 4120s, because I have great concerns about him in the long run. And you guys remember, we've been talking about this for years, and I think the Blue Jays have been following that path, and they're just not sure that they want to commit to him in that way. And I think that's going to continue. I don't believe that they will sign him to a long-term deal because I think there's a wide gulf between the way Vladimir wants to get paid as a free agent and what he should get paid as a free agent. But right now, you don't have to make that decision. The arbitration process is done for the purpose of teams who are not ready to make that decision while the player still gets paid for what he's done and what he may do. But I also will note in arbitration, when you are making the arguments, what the arbitrators are looking at, it it is irrelevant what the player is projected to do. Arbitration is based solely on what the player has done. When you sign a player to a free agent deal, what you're trying to do is pay a player for what he will do, not what he has done. And a lot of the disagreements come when players want to be paid not for what they will do, but what they have done. And that's sometimes why deals don't get done. David, should we be surprised that you know, a team like the Blue Jays um, that was supposedly ready to give Shohei Otani whatever, $700 million, whatever whatever the figure was, that they really – haven't done anything in free agency since then. And in fact, are, are, are kind of acting like a team that would prefer not being at the collective, I'm sorry, the competitive balance tax level again uh, in 2024. We got, I think a lot of people thought, okay, no Shohei Otani. Okay, take $300 million of that and try to sign Cody Bellinger or take $300 million of that and try to sign Vladimir Bo and then take $200 million left over and try to sign another free agent. Um, it, it seems pretty clear that the business case for Shohei Otani was really unique, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you could do what you're saying, but then you're the San Francisco Giants. Mm-hmm. Then you're a team that's just got holes in their pocket and gets so upset when they don't get players that they'll sign Michael Conforto as an example, or they'll overpay for the, uh, I can't remember his name, but I think they signed either a Korean or a Japanese player this right. offseason at a number that was that was really too higher than what anybody anticipated. I think when it's the concept of special money and special money is when your owner says to you, we'll go over our budget for this player, but this player only don't think if you don't get them that we're going to reallocate this. so You can get four different players. So I believe that Shohei was one of those unicorns where Rogers said, Hey, go all out. If we get them great, if not, we're back to the way we run this team. And I think that's an incredibly responsible way to do it. Um, I want to shift focus a little bit, David. Uh, uh, look, I, I was under the impression that eventually the Oakland A's were going to end up in Las Vegas. Um, I, I, I don't know anymore. Part of me <laughs> wonders if maybe they're not going to become baseball's version of the Arizona Coyotes and just kind of be in limbo for, for, for multiple years. Um, how, how, do you see this, how do you see this turning out? And, and what did you make of the mayor of Las Vegas now, I know she walked back these comments a bit, but the mayor of Las Vegas. Barely. Yeah, barely. Mm-hmm. Essentially saying, you know what would be a real good idea? If you guys stayed in Oakland. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I have been on an island. I feel like I'm in, I'm in loss uh, because I was one of the only people from the beginning saying I didn't think the A's were going to Vegas. And I was the one who said when those renderings came out that that ballpark doesn't fit on nine acres. It's complete horse hockey. And everything that I've said is turning out to be right. However... 
I do know that baseball needs a solution for the A's because they want to get to expansion. I also know that the deal with Bally's for a nine-acre stadium does not work. There is no now. If they get more acres or the use of more acres, it can work. I also know there's a lot of issues with the public funding of this and the private funding of this ballpark. It has been a very messy process. However, all stadium processes are messy, and always you get right to the brink, going all the way back to before I was in the game, and I assume, Jeff, you were in the game in 1990 or 89 when it was assumed the White Sox were moving to Tampa. Yeah. And then it was assumed that San Francisco Giants were moving to Tampa. Tampa was always the place we're moving there, and then all of a sudden the ballpark gets done in the original city. So once Tampa got an expansion team, you needed the next city to be that stalking horse. And Vegas has been that for a very, very long time. And I'm still not convinced that expanding to Vegas is not the smarter move because taking up that market and not getting a relocation fee, which they're not charging John Fisher, which I thought is outrageous, and taking away an expansion fee, which will be very, very hefty and a very big bonus to the other uh, 30 owners, I think that taking away a Western time zone expansion city is a mistake when you know you're going to expand. That's part of the reason I've always thought that keeping the A's in Oakland made more sense. But in order to do it, you've got to get uh, some egos subjugated. Right now, John Fisher, Rob Manford, and the mayor in Oakland, it's like they're at a standoff where no one wants to pick up the phone. And I do think we're one phone call away from resuscitating a deal. And I know that because with Miami, uh, we went years without talking to the city or the county. And we went looking to relocate, including to the current mayor's husband, Oscar, who hosted us when we were pretending to move to Vegas, even though we knew we couldn't. And it finally took a phone call from Bob Dupay, the president of baseball at the time, who started the thawing process with the local officials in Miami. And then we proceeded toward a deal. It took another year and a half after that, but we eventually got one. So I think this story is far from over. Uh, speaking of new stadiums, Bobby Witt Jr. signed the, what is it, the 14377. Does it go hand in hand? Is that the reason, one of the main reasons why they signed it to that is, you know, the ultimate goal here is to move, go downtown, get a new stadium, get better free agents in here? Or is it just because he's a really good player, he's young, and it's better to spend it on him now than later because it will cost him more? No, it, it's the former. And, and I, I appreciate it. I, I covered this on Nothing Personal. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what I said. I'm going to sum it up so we don't spend the whole time talking about it. But the timing is not a coincidence. When you are going for public money, you want to show the fans and you want to show the public officials that they'll have cover when they give public money to a project saying, look at the owners. They are doing their part. Not only are they contributing to the ballpark, but look, they're investing in the team. So it's almost like a loss leader. It's, it's an investment in the product in order to show a level of seriousness to get a deal done and absent the need for public financing. I do not believe the Royals would have signed a contract like that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm trying to remember the name of the te- the Pirates. Do you remember when the Pirates got PNC? Yes. They signed an old catcher named Jason Kendall. Yes. Yep. And they gave him that huge deal. I want to say it was 555, but I-, I likely am wrong. But it was some unbelievably big deal. And it was done as a way, hey, thank you for this ballpark look at us go and of course that ended up being an overpay 
And you have to be just super careful when you're doing deals for purposes of PR and of, of stadium financing. And this Bobby Witt deal with, there are a lot of opt-outs, but those, as you know, are only good for the player. And that 14 year 377 is only if the club picks up a couple of years of options at the end there. And boy, he's got to perform at big, big time levels to get those numbers. But it's uh, it's quite an investment, but it's purposeful. Yep. Speaking of ownership, I know you talked about this as well uh, on the podcast, and I and I know that you've talked about this as well on social media. When you know when when uh, when the Orioles were sold for one point seven two five billion um, the other day, I mean, you know, my first reaction was, okay, here's a team with a five year window of opportunity, full of young players. Now it has ownership that seems interested in in building on that interested in smoothing out whatever needs to be smoothed out with the state and city, et cetera, et cetera. And then the more I thought about it, and this is why I'm asking you this the more I thought about it. I thought, wait, 1.725 billion doesn't, I thought the Orioles would sell for more. Am I? Me uh, too. Uh, and, and I think you feel the same way too. Like if I'm a major league owner, I'm looking at this and going, is this really the best you could get? You know, there's a problem when Jeffrey Loria calls me to say, thank you after a deal is announced. <laughs> so, that I guess that that pretty much sums it up. Seven years ago, he sold the Marlins for 1.2, yep. and the deal since then, the Royals went for 1.0, the Guardians for 1.0, the Mets I think got 2.4, mm-hmm. and now you've got the Orioles on the books for 1.725, and I and Masson was included, but that may be a drag actually on the sale price, not a not an, an answer. But I do agree, and I, I felt it was too low. But the Angelos family, uh, there were some definite issues there. They had to get it done prior to Peter Dine uh, for, for tax purposes. And they wanted to do it, uh, in a, there was money being spent. And there, there's renovations. There's all sorts of things happening. Plus, they're in a window where if they don't spend money now, they would be crucified and finished in that market forever. Because given their team and where they are, now's the time that you sprinkle in the veteran and you sprinkle in a smart signing to complement this amazing core they have. And I don't mean Jack Flaherty, no disrespect Hmm. to him, but that's not what I'm talking about. And so I think the timing was right for a sale. I think that uh, David Rubenstein is the person who will invest in the product in a way that the Angeloses won't. I think there'll be less fighting with that group of owners than with the Angelos family who had a hard time staying out of court. But I do agree that the other owners looked at that and said, wow, Rob, uh, NBA and NFL teams are going for way bigger multiples than our teams. Uh, we got to get going. Hey, as a follow-up, um, I've often wondered how history would have changed um, had Jeffrey Loria won that auction court battle for the Orioles in 94. I mean, yeah. people forget that it came down to him and Peter Angelos. Uh, I think it was 90, right. 94 or 93. It was, it was 93, 93. And, and it was it was a real auction. Uh, it was in a courtroom in front of Judge Cornelius Blackshear, and it was literally with paddles where there'd be some, it'd be 169. All right, Jeffrey, 170. All right, Peter, 171. And then when it got to, uh, at 172, Jeffrey said, this is my final bid. And I didn't work for him at the time. Right. I was, uh, had just finished law school and I had not even started my business career, both in Europe and on wall street. So I was not working for him, but I remember the bankers, uh, who were there that day had said to him, Hey, you are at your maximum. You don't have any more money to do. 172 is already about $25 million more 
than they thought the team was worth at the time. And Peter Angelos had basically said, and he was with Tom Clancy at the time, and mm-hmm. even Bill DeWitt was involved back then, believe it or not, the current owner of the Cardinals. Uh, but this was a public auction where Jeffrey said 172 and I'm done. Peter said 173. Jeffrey passed, and that was the end of the auction. And that is also when Bud Selig realized that he no longer wanted courts involved in team sales because he didn't have enough control. And uh, from then on, he really tried to uh, control everything quite a bit more. Did Jeffrey ever talk talk about that experience? And, and I mean, have you ever allowed yourself to wonder wh- what might have happened had, had you guys bought the Baltimore Orioles? I mean, you know, obviously there would be an impact in Montreal and an impact in Washington, or maybe an impact in Florida. Um, yeah, of course. It, I'll tell you a funny story. The last time I talked to him about it, was the day after we won the World Series in 03. And I remember it like it was yesterday because we were planning the parade and what needs to get done. And Jeffrey was thinking about ring design. And we were talking to Jack McKeon that he was going to be the uh, manager of the All-Star Game. And we knew that we weren't going to be able to re-sign Pudge. And we were just talking through all these different things after winning a World Series. And we talked about how life would be different, the butterfly effect, if he had done 174 and his answer was then Angelos would have done 175. And I said, well, what if you had done 176? He said, well, Angelos would have done 177. And Peter never forgave Jeffrey. They had a very strained relationship because Peter always viewed Jeffrey as having bid up the team to a place that pissed him off. And so Peter was very angry about that because he expected Jeffrey to have bowed out millions of dollars earlier. Dave, it's a great story. Mm-hmm. Listen, my friend, thanks so much for doing this. Terrific stuff as awesome. always. You're the best. Hey, my pleasure. Have a great day. That was uh, David Sampson. Great story about Jeffrey Laurie almost buying the Baltimore Orioles because I, I remember working at the Globe and Mail's Montreal Bureau when the Expos were for sale. And I broke the story that Jeffrey Laurie was going to buy the team. And a part of it was simply... I uh, knew a fellow who was an investment banker in Boston who, uh, who had, uh, well, I can say Randy Randall Vitaha, former NFL player, is an investment banker in Boston. Uh, he worked for a lot of, of people looking to buy teams. And I just called him out of the blue, and he said, you know what you need to do? He said, I would start looking at people who've almost bought baseball teams. So I literally go on the computer, found Jeffrey Loria, called him up, yep. and uh, put two and two together. And uh, yeah, and of course, Jeffrey Loria ended up buying the Montreal Expos, and we all know uh, we all know where, where it went from there. The Orioles and or the, the the Expos ended up in 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 Washington, and as part of the franchise switch, people forget this. John Henry he owned the Orioles, or he owned the Mariners. He ended up getting the Boston Red Sox. Jeffrey Loria got the uh, then Florida Marlins. But yeah, you you wonder what would have happened if if he had won that court auction for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, I would love to know what the blueprint is nowadays when you buy a new franchise as an ownership and you have as good a team and as good a core as the Orioles got. Like, what's the best way to go about it? Is well, it I go think the best way is to go to trade for Corbin Burns right well, away. Well, obviously that helps because that's a need. We talked about that yeah. last year, right? They don't got a game one and a game seven guy. They do now. If he's healthy, Corbin Burns is one of the best top Best team in the four. AL for you right now, Orioles? In the AL, no. It's the Astros. Right. But but we'll talk about that later. Absolutely. But I just wonder what what's better? Is it beneficial for a blueprint to sign the core now 
or go out and outside the organization and sort of fill in the blanks, right? Their bullpen's not finished. Is it more important to put your money into the core that's coming up? You know, will what happened in Kansas City, will that be a, you know, a bad thing to the Orioles trying to sign? You know, you could say no, that's Kevin a good, That's Ju- a good point. Gunnar uh, Henderson. Bobby Witt Jr., right? right the, there's a couple of guys in Baltimore yeah, that are just as good as Bobby point. Witt Jr. So what's point. it going to cost you? I would just love to be a fly on the wall, the conversations yeah. back and forth with the dudes running, with, with the people signing the money and giving out the check. So that'd be pretty cool. The Orioles not going anywhere. I think that's the gist of this is. And will that, what will that do to the Blue Jays? That's the thing, right? What will it do? I think the big bad Yankees always going to be there. You know, Hal Steinbrenner, I mean, he's came out and said, we're the big bad Yankees. We're going to do what we have to do. What's that going to do to the Blue Jays? I think it's. Will it slow it down? Will it hurry up? What is it going to do? I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, there's kind of a new, there's, there's kind of a new king of the beasts. In, in in the American League East. Well, you now, sure don't you think know? they're going anywhere, the yeah. Orioles, right? No. That and that I mean they they're gonna have Jackson Holiday come up this year. That's like a five year window of opportunity right there. Like and, and the thing that's scary is their minor league system is deeper than the Blue Jays minor league system ever was when Bo and Vladdy are coming up. They don't have to yeah. add a player, a position player. They don't. They can focus on adding pitching. They can focus on adding guys who are in their late twenties, have already had their Tommy Already had their Tommy John mm-hmm. surgery. It's a little bit like what the Cubs did when they won the World Series, but the difference this oh. time is I think the Orioles are going to be able to keep that window of opportunity open. And my goodness, you've got ownership that's engaged. You've got ownership that are baseball fans. Um, you've got a front office that's smart, a front office that basically finds relievers in the you know cushions of the – yeah, the couch Cal, in the Cal office. Cal Ripken Jr. is in the ownership now, and he just hill. him coming out and yep. saying things is going to put pressure on what they're trying to do. It's interesting. Uh, 416-413-3959. That is the back leg line. It is open 24-7. Operators are always standing by. Plethora of them. A plethora of them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it is uh, the back leg line is your opportunity to leave questions for Barker, comments for Barker, criticisms for Barker. Really don't have to leave anything for me. It's all about Barker. Yeah, we're. I'll take. Yeah, well, it should be all. About well, because you and Samson are wrong about the bloody thing. Anyhow, uh, we're going to take a visit to the back leg line when we come back. Can, does that make sense? We're going to take a visit to the back leg line. No. What about we're going to? Yeah, yeah, we're going to we're going to. Don't overthink it. Yeah. What I always try to. We'll say be to back myself. with the back leg line. It's Blair and Barker. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. A reminder that we're going to be back on Sportsnet 590 to fan in our 11 a.m. Eastern time slot, effective February 20th, which just happens to be the date of the Blue Jays' first full squad workout in Dunedin. And, well, like the Blue Jays' bullpen door in a playoff game, the back leg line is always open. The number is 416-413-3959. How long have you been working on that? Working on that wow. For 416-413-3959 for your thoughts, comments, and questions such as this. John from North York. I'm happy to sign Justin Turner uh, over Votto, although who knows what's going to happen with Turner. He's 40. He might run out of gas. But uh, at least they've signed somebody. I would have preferred Solaire even though I know he has off years. Um, but then I read Arden Zwelling's uh, column, and, and they're thinking of getting another defensive outfielder. Are you kidding? 
Don't we have enough defensive people? Can we not get somebody that's lousy defensive but could hit the ball, come off the bench, get a base hit or a hit? Anyways, that's my comment. (laughs) Are you suggesting that there's something unexciting about run prevention? Yeah, it's boring. I mean, it's right now. I... That's all think, you got right now. I think adding Justin Turner. That's what you got to ha- hang your hat on. I think adding Turner's not going to hurt. He's a professional hitter. He's going to drive in some big-time runs again. You're pointing the finger at Vladdy again, which is uh, unfair or not. It's the reality of this whole situation is Vladdy has to hit the ground sprinting. Always gets not back to running. Vladdy. Oh, absolutely. Always well, gets back they, to Vladdy. They basically told us that without actually coming out and saying mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, look, unless they uh, – when you, again, when you come out and say you got faith in the coaching and the core tells you – that they're up against it when it comes to how much money they're spending. So unless they get rid of an everyday guy, yeah, I think I, you sort of got what you got. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Look, there's I – mean, and let's be clear. There are a couple of players – you know, there are a couple of contracts you could move to, well, give, you, one. to give yourself wiggle room if you wanted. I kind of look at it this way. Um, you know, I will give the Jays credit for not as, – as David Sampson mentioned, I'll give them credit for not – deciding that, okay, well, we can't get Shohei Otani. Let's just take that money and spread it around. I'll give them credit for believing and for holding to their valuation of players. I've told people, I love Cody Bellinger, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not holding up my offseason to get Cody what, Bellinger. Or they're telling you what you think of him. Exactly. Yeah, they are. I would love if they would add a guy like Jorge Soler. That would help. Maybe somebody like that falls into their lap on a on a pillow contract let me ask maybe you, you know may, who maybe would you that tra- happens who would you but, trade for them to have to do because the, they're gonna have to trade an everyday guy i mean I've who said, is it I, I would move george springer in a heartbeat if somebody would take you think that they contract. can you think they can i don't know that's a you know i that that's one of those deals where you'd probably have to throw a prospect in you'd probably have to pick up a certain amount of money or you'd probably have to take on somebody else's bad contract in return i will say this though I never thought I'd see Vernon Wells' contract traded. <laughs> Great point. And yeah. Vernon Wells' contract was traded. Great point. Hi, Justin, Kevin. This is Emma from Calgary. I have two questions for you. First, um, what do we need to see early on from Vladdy that will tell us that his approach is better at the plate? And two, do you think Espinal still gets traded? Uh, because I'm surprised he hasn't been since they added Kiner Falefa. So I just wanted your thoughts on that. Thanks. I'll let you talk about Vladdy. Yeah, look, I, uh, Vladdy's got a mechanical flaw. That, that, that's the whole thing what here. Is it? Well, it, it's that, I know you've talked it, about it, but yeah, for our it, listeners. It, it's the rubber band effect. It's consistently he does not get good stretch from the time he starts his positive move towards where he wants to annihilate baseballs. And when he gets his foot down, like all the great hitters do, I mean, you can go look, slow down the video with Vladdy. His hands follow his foot. That's why when he goes to the plate, he has to be refined and almost perfect with what he's not swinging at. That's why they throw him in off the plate and down and away off the plate because they know he will get himself out because of that mechanical flaw. Until you consistently see that, I'm not sure what we're going to get from Vladdy. That's why I've been yelling and screaming that they need that guy behind him to protect him, to force the other pitcher to have to throw it in the zone to him because that will eliminate a little bit of that flaw and make him more consistently hitting the ball to the pull side in the air. So long-winded answer. I'm just not really sure what you're going to see from that because of his mechanical flaw. The Santiago Espinal thing. 
They've got Espinal. Where does he fit in? Well, that's that's a great question, and and that's why the signing of uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa confused me, frankly. Um, They've got play third a lot. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yes. But beyond that, you've got Kevin Biggio, Davis Schneider, Santiago Espinal. Espinal or Davis Schneider. Kevin Biggio is going to play it some. Yeah. If, Who are you taking if out it's of those me, two guys? If it's me, I'm taking Espinal because I think he's a better defender. Schneider, though. Can run into one to the pool side. Can change the game with a, with a three-run homer. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? That's the 26th guy you're talking about. Now that, uh, look, is that going well, to destroy actually, it's their, their season? It's the 24th, 25th, and 26th guy you're talking about. They're all going to be in the team. Yeah, Kevin Biggio is not the 26th guy anymore. Okay. 24th? You think he's there's more? A big, there's a big difference. All right. Now he might he might play a ton of second. Yeah. Oh, I w- listen, I... I because uh, of Justin I, Turner's going to have to DH more than he'll play the, 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 the on the defensive said, side? It, I have no problem with, with Biggio and Schneider platooning at second base. I have no problem with yeah. that at all. But, boy, I need another... I, I just... IKF... I, <laughs> closing my eyes and thinking of an infield of Vladdy, Schneider, Bichette, Kind of Falefa, I, I mean that does not scream. It does almost, not scream playoffs. Here we come. It's I mean, almost like you, you have to go out and get a DH that can do that every day yeah. and take your chances with Justin Turner playing third base every day. You know, maybe you see what you got, and then at the trade deadline, you make him. I mean, this thing could go a whole different direction at the trade know, deadline. It, it could. Uh, hi, my name is Jonathan from Thornhill. Uh, I love this show. You guys do a great job. Just a couple questions. Um, do you think the lack of moves right now is just basically the this season is make is made or broken by their core, so they want to, they're waiting to the trade deadline because they don't have a there wasn't a lot of good options this off season, or is there better options for free agency next next season where next season they're going to go all in even though RGM might not have a job if it's not a good season, and can you compare and contrast the non moves that are made after the ninety two World Series win versus now, like how, how they went about making changes after a winning season versus like coming out of a bad season where you underperformed. Thank you. Have a great one. Bye. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a couple of things, um, you know, 92, 93. Pat Gillick always had the philosophy that um, you've got even good teams need to be refreshed. It's, it's, the Yankees did the same thing as well. The Yankees ensured that they would bring guys in who – uh, we're hungry for a championship just to, to change things up and, and, and prevent things, uh, you know, from being stale. The other thing, too, is back then, the Jays had the highest payroll in baseball. And now we're talking apples and oranges, but the Jays did have the highest payroll in baseball. They had shown themselves capable of winning the World Series. So it, it, it's, it, it's a little different, um, a little different situation than we have right now. Look, I... I think part of what happened this offseason is at some point the Jays decided, you know, the guys who are available in free agency, um, they're not worth the the big guys. They're not worth giving out four or five-year contracts to. Um, we've got Bo and Vladdy here for the next two years. Let's try to maximize the next two years of Bo and Vladdy and – I also think, frankly, that at some point, the Jays just said, okay, after making that play for Shohei Otani, and again, I can't stress this enough, the Shohei Otani play was a business play. Absolutely. That was a business play. Mm -hmm. You can make a business case 
not just in terms of baseball, but in terms of off-field revenue. You can make a business case for bringing Shohei Otani in here. You can't make the same case for anybody else. And, and I think once, once the dalliance with Shohei Otani didn't pay off, I, I think the Jays kind of pulled back and said, okay, here we are. We're up against the competitive balance tax right now. Probably don't want to go to the second level, uh, competitive balance tax. So let's kind of take a step back here and let's remember that we're only going to go as far as Bo and Vladdy take us. Now let's try to make things better around them. And I really do think that you can't, you can't overlook the fact that as we sit here on February 8th, a lot of those Scott Boris clients haven't signed. And I just, again, I don't think the Jays, you can't sit around and wait for Matt Chapman or, 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 or Cody Bellinger to make up their mind. Yeah, you just can't. I can't wait for Jorge Soler to make up. There, his there's mind. a couple of things there. Let's start with the with the GM first. I, I think you know after what we heard at the end of the season, the we not me kind of thing. If he doesn't get fired after that, he's joined at the hip with the president. And until the president goes, mm, the GM's here. Like I just don't see that happening. The manager will go before that ever happens, and they'll break up the coaching staff. And one of the core guys, which for me there's two of them, will get traded, and they'll head in a different direction. So for me, that's not happening. I do think they have a ton of confidence in their khakis. He mentions process <laughs> till he's blue in the face. And I think there's a reason for that. They think if they trust the process, the core that they have – will live up to what they're capable of living up to, which will mean they don't have to go out and mm-hmm. spend money on the Bellingers of the world that, let's be quite frank about it, I don't like that deal. I would never give that dude that amount of money. You have no idea what that guy's going to give you. If you love exit velocity, you ain't liking that guy, and you noticed how the ball ain't carrying here, how's he going to handle lays in the one to left center, and it's an out? It's those kind of things, so... I just think with those things, two things being said, the team is what the team is. They'll fill it in. Let's just finger cross it that the 33-year-old in Gosman and the 35-year-old in Bassett stays healthy enough to give them 30 starts. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking ahead to next year's free agents. Uh, Corbin Burns is a free agent. Garrett Cole is a free agent. Juan Soto is a free agent. Alex Bregman's a free agent. Pete Alonso is a free agent. All of them are represented by uh, by Scott Boris. We've already seen Jose Altuve sign. I think Garrett Cole probably resigns with so the Soto. Yankees. No, I think Soto hits the market and somebody ends up Not giving me. him four hundred to five hundred million bucks. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, there, I, I guess the thing is, if if I'm not going to go all in in free agency this year with two years of Bo and Vladdy left. What am I going to do next year with one year of Bo and Vladdy left? Well, I think one of the things we need to focus on right now, we need to see where Ricky Tiedem and Aurelvis Martinez and Addison Barger are this year because I think that's, yeah. that's kind of the next core. Yeah. And I'll tell you this right now. They are going to need one of those three. I'll tell you right now. Mm-hmm. They're going to need one of those three to contribute this year. Yeah, maybe just just tells you what they think of – no, I think they're big fans of Bose. I think predictability is a big thing, right, when you're trying to win a World Series. When you pencil it in, you sort of know what you're going to get. I think they know what they're going to get out of Bo. Do you think they know what they're going to get out of Vladdy? I, I, don't, I don't think they know that. So there's some unknowns there. Are you I don't all, know what I'm going to get out of Vladdy. Are Laddie. you all in? Well, I know you're going to get 25 and 95. From there, I think is the unknown. Again, you, everybody seems to think that you can just walk around the street. Can you hit 25 and 95 in the American League East? 
It doesn't grow on trees, so I think it's after that, which I think that he can go after that. The numbers are elevated after that. I think that, for me, is the unknown. They don't really know what they're going to get from that. One more caller. Hey, guys, this is Jason from Vancouver, and I just wanted to ask a question to both you, Kevin and Jeff. With the way the Jays' offseason has gone so far, really not adding any expensive payroll to the budget by signing some bigger-name players, do you think this shows more that, one, the Jays are maybe holding off on signing big free agents because they might be working towards deals with Bo and Vladdy and need to save that money in the team payroll for them? Or do you think that it shows that Bo and Vladdy have told them that they're not willing to re-sign in Toronto and that maybe we're just starting to see the slow disbuild of this team but still trying to keep them competitive because of all the new renovations to the stadium. So just want to hear what you guys maybe think if they're going to go with maybe option one or option two. Thanks yeah. a lot. See you guys later. Bye. Yeah, that's a, that, that's, that's a great point and, and, and a great call. I mean, I, I think that's what it is. Um, you know, uh, it's funny because I've all, I've often wondered, and I've actually, I've, I've had this discussion with Mark Shapiro in the past. Um, I've often wondered what's more important, uh, having popular players that people like or a winning team in terms of attracting fans. And I really do think in this city, a winning team is what you need to attract fans. It's nice to have popular players, but, but you know, look, people, people pine for 2015 and 2016. And that was just kind of a blessed convergence. You had a whole bunch of good stuff happen in 2015 and 2016 that you Everybody may not see happening. Everybody hit their stride again. all at the same Everybody time. Everybody hit their stride. It, yeah. it was like a team full of dudes who took advantage of their second, in some cases, third and fourth chances. There you go. And that's what made them so, so compelling. Um, but I think we also need to remember that that, to me at least, that was a bit of an outlier. Um, I, am, I will say this, given the fact that the new premium seats involve paying for a contract for a certain length of time in order to have access to those seats, I'll be interested in seeing how full those seats are and how many tickets are sold. Um, I just... Would they sell more tickets if they spent $300 million on Bellinger? No. Would they would they would they sell more tickets if they spent two hundred million on, to bring Chapman back? No. Would I, they sell more tickets if they spent seven hundred million to Shohei Itani? Absolutely. Yeah, but we both Absolutely. know this. It was more. And this is just me. No, saying, I'm making the point. I think he'd made his mind up already, and it was basically talk me out of it. Yeah. And I think that was what it was. And there's a giant drop off between him yeah. and everybody else. Why spend bad money? Yeah, I know. I, I that's why I. Would I like to have seen more action this offseason? Sure. I, but when I say more action, I would love – if they had added Turner and Jorge Soler, I'd oh, be yeah. happy. Absolutely. I'd, I'd be happy. Absolutely. I think a lot of people would. I, I'm not – I don't need Cody Bellinger. Uh, again, Shohei Otani, I'm, I'm glad they took a run at him. But if they had just shown up to spring training – with two additional bats, two bats capable of hitting in the middle of the order, I would have been the happiest man out there. Let me ask you a question. If, say, Gosman gets hurt and misses a month and a half, offense good enough to carry the load until he gets back? No. Not now. I think that's your point. Not now. You bring in Solaire with Turner with what they got, 
and they think the process is going to help the other guys that are here already live up to what they think they can live up to. Mm. Now you're cooking with gravy. So that's interesting. I still don't get the cooking with gravy. Well, it again. gets hotter. The hotter it gets, you know, it boils. You can throw more in there, Jeff. You can cook it better. Most of okay. us, most of us don't cook our meat in the gravy. Most uh, of us take the gravy and put it on well, the meat. It's like the gravy on the French fry thing. I, you know. Anyhow. All right, then. Uh, good questions, everybody. Absolutely. A, uh, a reminder that we'll How does it feel to be so wrong today, and I was so right today? Uh, How does that feel? Blind squirrel finds a nut every <laughs> now and then. Uh, a reminder that we'll be back on Sportsnet 590 The Fan uh, in our 11 a.m. time slot uh, on February 20th. And, again, that will be the Blue Jays' first full squad workout. I mean, spring training's odd now. Guys, there's already, there are already guys there. But that's I mean, too long. The guys start rolling in we'll ahead of time. And the whole first full squad workout, pitchers and, ca- pitchers and catchers are already, they haven't reported, but they're already there working out. Anyhow, technically, the uh, Blue Jays' first full squad workout is February 20th. That's where when we will be back on Sportsnet 590, the fans. So we'll probably have one more podcast before then. And uh, as always, give us some love wherever you get your favorite podcast. It means a great deal to Kevin Barker. I, of course, don't give a rat's ass, but it means a lot. It means a lot to Kevin. <laughs> You're something else. It means a lot to me, absolutely. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, and it does to me, too. It, it, I, can, it, I can hear it, it in your does, voice. It does to me, too. Thanks for joining us. We'll chat again.